Hello, everyone, and welcome to this uh, new season of Couch Potato Politics. So excited to be back and uh, doing this with you all. Um, this new series is about uh, each of the elements and the politics behind them. Um, and they'll be in a two-part format with me doing a standalone episode by myself to give context and then having a conversation with people who are experts in their uh, respective fields, whether that be water, fire, earth, or air. And today we're going to start off with water um, and the crisis in California and the politics that entangle it all. To start to untangle this crisis, the drought of 2011 woke people up to the seriousness of this issue and, you know, the lack of California's uh, water and the dependence that we have on strong water years. Um, and when we did that, a lot of the time we took water out of the ground without realizing the consequences of that and relied heavily on, you know, not renewable resources, but something that could run out without proper restoration. So the Central Valley started to uh, import water from uh, northern parts of the state uh, to southern parts of the state uh, via aqueducts um, that were sometimes hundreds of miles along. Um, and another problem with this was that these watersheds that these aqueducts are being fed from are also facing the same threats that the underground uh, water supplies are, are facing, which is a lack of water and rainfall and snowpack. But in 2019, when we had substantial rainfall and a historical snowpack, people argued that the drought was over and that, you know, California wasn't going to have any water insecurities in the near future. But here in 2021, we're facing what we faced in the mid-years of the drought, and people are now coming to realize that, you know, this might be a period of 20 to 30 years of uh, a so-called mega drought. Um, and if this continues, people will continue to deplete underground aquifers and uh, watersheds that, you know, cannot continue supplying for an endless amount of time without being properly replenished by rainfall and snowpack. And in the Central Valley, the groundwater has been depleted so much that the earth has sunk three feet since 1996, which is absolutely insane. And this is primarily caused by the industrial farming in the Central Valley and also the water usage by cities across the state. For farmers to retain their water use rights, their lobbying has, has been continuous and ongoing throughout elections over the years, but have been more effective uh, when lobbying to their individual water districts because they've been able to pay their water districts a finite amounts which are very small and under the typical price for water across the state.
The next major thing I want to bring up is uh, tribal rights to water and how they've been virtually cut off from any say in where that goes and their individual use of it. They, in some Western states, they have to have water trucks that come on the land and give them their water rations for the week. And this is just totally disrespectful to the people who have been here for thousands of years and for us to come here and steal their water. Another major thing that is happening across the West that is affecting the tribes is downstream rivers that are being impacted by chemicals from farming, low runoff, and uh, dams that are impacting their rivers and natural runs of salmon, which has been a major food source for thousands of years. The downstream effects of farming are numerous, from the algae balloons that kill everything in the rivers by sucking all the oxygen out, and also by having decreased river runoff, the downriver and river mouth ecosystems are essentially destroyed because of the lack of water caused by farming overuse and pollutants. Similar to the rivers, as water overdrafting becomes more common, because wet years are become rarer and rarer, the presence of chemicals and other naturally occurring nitrates are threatening to poison the scarce water supplies that remain. Fracking is another major threat to groundwater. Similar to the pollutants that are found in farming practices, uh, which include pesticides, herbicides, manure, and other contaminants, fracking poses an extreme danger to the safety of underground water sources. From its constant use of water, over a million gallons a day from a single fracking unit, to the blasting of water and chemicals in the extraction process. And each individual part of the process poses its own risks from chemical pollutants and oil seeping into underground aquifers. As the climate worsens, the competition for water rights will become more intense, not just between farmers and conservationists, but farmers and oil companies. Little has been done to protect our water, and fracking leases have only increased in California, even though Gavin Newsom had vowed to cut back on their numbers. And since the beginning of his administration, he has approved an additional 291 fracking sites on top of the already 1.2 million acres open to oil drilling by the Trump administration, primarily in the Central Valley and the Sierra Nevadas which is the lifeline of California's watershed. The laws that have been created are friendly to corporate interests in the oil industry. And by letting these oil corporations continue this, these practices, it prolongs our reliance on oil and further, endangers, and further endangers our dwindling water supply. And it's not just the threat to water, but the pollution also affects millions of people especially low-income and BIPOC communities. Um, over 5.4 million people in California live within one mile or less of an oil extraction site. The next major thing I want to talk about is the damaging practices of bottling companies in California. 
Three of the major soda companies and their water brands in the U.S. are drawing on municipal water supplies in the San Bernardino Mountains and other water districts across California. And the supplies they are tapping into come from rivers and springs that, provide, that also provide cities and farmers with water. Along with their water extraction, these companies are also paying much lower prices than individual water districts and are making billions of dollars a year across the world by selling our water in other countries. Nestle and others are basically robbing California of its most sought-over resource in a time where it's becoming harder and harder to come by. Nestle and its subsidiaries also took advantage of a weakened forest service when it faced funding cuts from the Trump administration. It, and it paid for some of the losses um, in the San Bernardino National Forest and those funds acted as a lobby for unrestricted access to the springs. During that time, there were significant amounts of overdrafting, but Nestle did not face any penalties from California legislators or the federal government. Nestle and their parent companies continue to take water for free to this day, even though the California Water Board is penalizing them up to $1,000 a day, or up to 10000 when a water emergency is declared in that area they are siphoning from. Uh, that is a quote from The Guardian. Um, clearly, these penalties are not going to make any sizable impact, and Nestle and their partners will continue without concern for their impacts on the environment. Throughout the process, they are creating an excess of multiple chemicals which are being integrated with the springs they are pulling from which is very similar to the criminal activities of the oil industry. Big surprise, isn't it? One of those chemicals that is being put into the water supply is arsenic, which is naturally occurring, but it is caught up in their filters, which is later flushed out. And in turn, each of these companies has been accused of creating thousands of gallons a day of arsenic-laden wastewater, which is then pumped into water treatment plants across the state, giving it plenty of time to poison our springs, aquifers, and rivers. These companies are also making it more likely as the years go on and the water wars heat up, there will be an increased privatization of what should be a basic human right, and people who financially struggle will be left out or be significantly limited on their rights to water. The issues that are highlighted are just the surface. The dirty practices of the corporations will continue to become more damaging as the years go on, not just in the water-starved West, but across the world. I just want to add here, to produce a single-use plastic water bottle or soda bottle, it requires 1.4 gallons of water, which includes gray water, to create it. Also, by using one of these bottles, we expose ourselves to BPA and other plastic toxins, which can make their way into our bloodstream, which can cause cancer, liver, or kidney damage, amongst other things. Anyone who has driven through the Central Valley in California has seen the big signs that claim over 70% of our water is allowed to escape. But can we believe big signs on the side of the road? Most of the time we cannot, because the context is missing and the backstory is much deeper. Similar to what I said earlier about the impacts of low runoff, 
And if we were to catch all of the so-called wasted water, the impacts on the health of estuaries and waterways would be significant, likely collapsing the fishing industry in Northern California. The water may very well be needed for farming, but the residual impacts would be horrible, causing irreversible damage to the health of ecosystems and other economic sectors. So more than anything, the statistic that is plastered throughout the Central Valley is more of an eye-catcher for the political objectives of farmers and not really the full contextualized situation. Is California letting most of its snowpack escape? Usually, no, because snowpack provides California with 30% of its water, but has continually been less of that percentage as snowpack has become less consistent. California is not letting most of its snowpack escape, as they capture most of it in reservoirs, diversion of streams, and large catmint pools used by farmers. Which is in contrast to the previous point, which brings to light the extreme impact of farming is having and its requirements to sustain itself. This year, in 2021, the minimal snowpack that was there did not appear in the usual places, like streams and reservoirs but instead it dried up and was absorbed into the ground as California and other Western states have had the driest two years on record of soil and plant life. It's not just the watersheds and the lack of this precious resource. It is the ground this resource settles on. It is so deprived of water, the natural processes of runoff will no longer be a safe bet on the water needs of the state. And because of this, hydropower plants on both the Oroville Reservoir and Hoover Dam were shut down because of record low water levels, highlighting the impacts of climate change on renewable energy. And with climate change bringing more variability, renewable energy sources reliant on high water levels and dams will become less predictable which is just another band-aid on a crisis that will only get worse the longer we look for stopgaps and the more time we delay on real solutions, like cutting fossil fuels from our daily lives. More on so-called band-aids, which put money in the pockets of the rich and the population continues to suffer. And a good example of this is the use of uh, desalination plants um, just because of how expensive they are and the concerns of their impacts on the reintroduction of salt into the ocean, which can cause concentrated overdoses of salt, effectively destroying ecosystems in close proximity to the plant. It can also have negative impacts on pipe infrastructure as the water is typically highly acidic and can contain high levels of carbon dioxide, chlorine, and hydrochloric acids, which can be dangerous to the water supply. Instead of looking for just stop gaps, what are some real, real solutions that are coming to light? One of the major things we can do is changing the way we irrigate um, from reducing the amount of green lawns and golf courses and working to find crops that are more tolerant to drought. Um, rebates across California were provided when people took out their grass, replacing it with drought-tolerant plants that have minimal water needs, 
But those kinds of programs have largely disappeared with a false sense of security in 2019 when people assured, were assured that California had enough water and was safe from the damaging impacts of drought. Many regenerative practices that have been used in deserts for thousands of years need to be implemented, using existing infrastructure in cities to capture runoff could be significant and allow for some underground aquifers to replenish, not just in the Central Valley, but in major cities as well. The recycling of all used water is another thing that has been looked at and could bring down the use on and reliance on imported water by 50 to 60% in the next 50 years. This would also bring down the concerns of wastewater being released into the ocean, and that could help preserve a lot of aquatic life as well. Although I focus on the despair and darkness of the situation, there is so much we can do as individuals to make an impact and change the way this state approaches our most precious resource. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to the first episode of the series. I'll soon have a conversation with the expert about the water crisis, and updates about that and when it will come out will be available on my Instagram at Couch Potato Politics. For this episode's action steps, please check out all the resources in the show notes below. And of course, conserve all the water you can and protect it through your activism or whatever else you do. Also, if you have any feedback for this episode, please feel free to share that either on my Instagram, which I men- mentioned earlier, or my email out at couchpotatopoliticspodcast at gmail.com. Um, be sure to follow me on all social media and, of course, the Spotify um, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and I'll uh, let you all know when I have a new episode coming out soon.